Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here again another week, another time for you to listen to us talk about games and listen to us think too much about them. Uh, and this week, I wanted to talk about something that I have noticed more and more games doing recently that I think is really cool. And I think that the best way to do this is to talk about kind of the the big, shiny, new example of this that everyone's been playing and everyone's been thirsty for. It's Hades. Hey, Dylan, what's Thirst Hades? indeed. Um, oh, you want me to explain? Uh, Hades <laughs> is a roguelike by Supergiant Games that was launched in early access, what, uh, was it near the beginning of this year? Or was I want to say it was either year? very early 2020 or very late 2019. Yeah, but, you know, it's a roguelike starring um, Zagreus, the son of Hades, and uh, I almost, I almost threw in a plot spoiler. Yep. <laughs> Not gonna do that. Um, he's he's the son of Hades, and he's kind of having a rebellious phase, and he wants out, and so he has to navigate through Tartarus, Asphodel, and Elysium. I don't know what the third area is. That yet. is correct, think... Elysium. Okay, awesome. To uh, break out and uh, return, not return, to enter the surface world, um, and. Along the way, he is granted boons by various Greek gods and goddesses who are like, what? Hades had a son? Hey, hey, leave your old man. He sucks. Come over and hang out with (laughs) us on Olympus. More or less, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it's on the surface, Hades is a pretty standard roguelike. Uh, Roguelikes being a genre of game. Uh, that I'm sure we talked about before, but basically, when you die, you reset to the beginning of the game. It's semi-randomized, so you never know exactly what's going to be up ahead the next time you go out. And through playing and through getting further and dying and getting further and dying, you accrue resources that make you stronger from run to run. And in Hades, and it, like like Dylan said, we're not going to get into plot spoilers. This game was released like three days ago. Yeah, <laughs> so in earnest. So no no spoilers, though, for anyone who has played it for a good amount of time. You'll know what we're talking about. They they add this wrinkle I really like where among the other things you get for continuing to play, you also are rewarded through story and through the fleshing out of these characters that you're interacting with. And there's a big example of it where... And again, I'm not going to go into like what is revealed because it's one of the big early spoilers, but after your first, you know, three or four loops of going out and dying and going out and dying and coming back, Zagreus will like when you go into his room, which is where you manage your upgrades and things, he'll say something about being tired. And if you go to the bed and lie down, you get a flashback that kind of kicks off another layer of the story and gives you a little bit more information and as far as i can tell that's not triggered by like you getting to a certain point out in the dungeon yeah i think I was it's just wondering that like the the weirdest thing about hades is i'm not sure entirely what the flags are for certain events i'm not either and i think that's one of the things that's so cool about it yeah absolutely 
Because it's just like you play for long enough and then you're rewarded by this new story breadcrumb. And then that, once you learn that or as you gain these new pieces of information, whenever you summon down a god to give you a boon, they might comment on some new thing you've learned since the last yeah. time you, you saw them, which is really cool. Um, but then the other part of it that I think is really cool is that one of the resources you can collect out in the world in Hades are bottles of nectar, the nectar of the gods. Yeah. Um, oh, we're, we're going to this direction? Yeah, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to get super deep because I do want to, like, leave as much unsaid as possible because I don't want to spoil anything because everyone should play this game. It's really cool and interesting. But you can collect these bottles of nectar that then you can give to the various people that you come into contact with, whether those are the people in Hades' house when you're between runs or the gods that you meet when they give you boons. And the first time you give them the nectar, you get back, like, an item that has some unique effect on the run. But then you can give them more, and all you get in return, I say all here in quotation marks, all you get in return is more information about them and more unique dialogue. And this is a long-winded intro, but what I, what I kind of want to talk about today is the way that games can use story and use like further context for the story as a reward for their play because i think that's cool as hell i like i love that you can keep if there's a character in hades that you really love if you just really love hypnos the guy who keeps notes at hades house you can give him more and more bottles of nectar and get more and more information from him and more and more information about him. And I, I have not maxed out anyone's nectar level, so I don't know if there's some final reward you get for that. I just want to uh, say real quick that mm -hmm. the term, the, the phrase, my wife is a Medusa head, sounds like a bad Castlevania isekai. However, it is my current reality playing Hades. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I really love Dusa. She's Dusa's fucking great. so good. Every character <laughs> in this game is so good. But yeah, I think that that's something that's really cool. That's something that I have I have seen more games doing, and I think is really interesting. Because like, especially in something like a roguelike like Hades, there's only so many rewards it can give you gameplay wise before it starts getting into the the dangers of like too much power creep or or choice paralysis or any of those other like game design things that people try to avoid. Mm -hmm. And so tying story to your play is a really cool way of like encouraging you to like okay one more run okay one more run which hades is very good at doing yeah uh it's i i tweeted about this a few days ago but <laughs> i i was uh i had my day off from work and i was like yeah i'll do a quick run of hades i got those uh gauntlet weapons that i've been wanting to try out and so i did that and then i kept playing and then I, I died, and I was like, oh, all right, one more run. And then I looked at my clock, and I've been playing for, like, three or four hours. It's so... It's such... It's so good at hooking you in that way. I love it. But the, the next thing I wanted to talk about with regards to this is another game that I've been playing a lot recently. Um, and I mentioned this, I think, last week. In our current 18th year of quarantine... I have gotten back into Breath of the Wild. I started a new run of Breath of the Wild because it's just... Especially the early hours of Breath of the Wild, for me, are just like comfort food gaming at this point. Oh, absolutely. Because so I charming. love that feeling of like... Especially because it had been a while since I, I had played it. I hadn't touched it in probably 
seven or eight months. Right. So I was opening it, opening it up, and it was basically fresh for me mm-hmm. to be able to go and like. I don't really remember where anything is, but there's a huge map, and I'm excited. Oh, I um, yearned for those days. Yeah, that's. I, I don't know where everything is, but like, I I definitely need to go back with like an empty head. Yeah, that and that's kind of what what finally got me. As I was like, I opened it up and I was like, oh shit. I remember where, like, the important shit is, but I don't remember where any of the unimportant shit is, and that's so exciting. But I I was playing Breath of the Wild, and I, today, in this run, finished up the memory side quest. Mm-hmm. Um, in Breath of the Wild, there is a, a long-running side quest involving Link is an amnesiac, and you need to get his memories back of his time with Zelda 100 years ago. And to do that, you have to find these 12 locations all around the world, uh, some of which are incredibly difficult to pinpoint where exactly they are, and others of which are, like, pretty easy to kind of stumble upon uh, as you're just, like, playing the game, the core gameplay, which I think is also a really cool bit of design. Yeah. Uh, like there's... There are people who don't like that, who don't like the story being a collectible. Oh, I love it. I, I think love I, it. It's one of my can, favorite things about it. I can see why it would be annoying like i can see where the frustration of like i don't want to have to track down these things are mm-hmm. but i think for me that is that's cut down by the fact that like it's not necessary to understanding what is going on mm-hmm. it just adds context it add like if it was like you have to track down this remote place on top of a mountain to know that you need to go to hyrule castle and fight ganon <laughs> Yeah, like that might be another thing. No, I'd still be all about that, but I could un- I could easily I could more easily understand why people would not be about yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, so you you track down these locations and you get little flashbacks of Link and Zelda wandering around and they range from like Link saving Zelda from a group of ninjas to them walking through the woods and Zelda being pissy at Link to Zelda trying to get Link to eat a frog to see what it'll do to him. Uh, and it's great because like if you you get them kind of piecemeal and out of order but you can then build sort of a character arc for Zelda yeah I think the fact that you like a lot of people would complain about how if you get them out of order the story might not make a lot of sense Um, and that could be true but for me personally I think it only hooked me more oh same was the fact that I was lacking some element of context and I needed to go back yeah and And the fact that you for me, it's the fact that there is enough info in them that you can kind of figure out at least the rough order. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, not... A- the the first one I saw was uh, Zelda telling Link off, and I was like, that was a very interesting tone setter yeah, for it's really their cool. relationship. And then you get, like, it, it. it's a really great way of, I think, conveying, like, their interactions and their relationship in the past in particular, I love the flashback where they're like sitting under the tree in the rain and Zelda's like ask like Link is training and Zelda's talking to him and asking like if this had been the only thing that anyone had ever expected for you, would you still be doing this? As a way of implying how shitty she feels about everyone expecting her to do one thing and her not being able to do it. Anyway, that's this is the this is the thing that is happening, and this is the thing that I had I had concluded. And once you go to all twelve of these locations that you have photos of and get the memories, you find out that there's one more, and you go 
Like when you when you find that location, you get a final flashback that you see kind of the last moments before you were put into your cryo sleep for a hundred years and Zelda went off to fight Ganon. And that's it. You get a little notification that the side quest has been completed and that's all you get. And I love that. I Like it would have been, you know, any other game, any other RPG, you would have gotten the notification to go back to the person who gave you the quest and they would have been like, ah, now you're, will- now you're worthy of wielding the master machine gun. <laughs> and you would have gotten like some, some powerful late game weapon or item or armor or something. Right. And I think that it is so telling about the the kind of game they wanted Breath of the Wild to be that your reward is just now you know the story. Yeah. And I really love that. I also finished up the uh, the Terrytown side quest. Uh, oh, yeah, which is yeah. One of my favorite things in this game. You can go out to this like tiny hamlet at the very like frontier of the map and help this dude found a town by bringing him a whole lot of wood and like going out and finding people to go and move with there with him and then at the end he gets married it's so good and it's great i i like when you started talking about breath of the wild one of the first things that entered my mind was the song that plays in uh, i Terrytown. love that piece of music it is like the music in Breath of the Wild in general is phenomenal. I love the rearrangements of the classic music, uh, but the Terrytown music is delightful. <laughs> and the way it plays a little refrain from it whenever you talk to someone and they head off towards Terrytown. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, Terrytown's a little bit different because you are, when you finally finish all the different branches of that quest, you are given three diamonds as a reward. And so you're, it's not... you're given like a basic hub as well, where if you didn't have gems or if yeah, you need yeah. precious metals or whatever you can buy them there and blah 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 all that yeah so it, it does provide a little bit more gameplay benefit than the the memory quest does but it's still like it's one of those things where it's much more at least it's framed in a way as to be much more about the story of this guy founding this little town in the middle of nowhere and i think that's really cool i don't know that's that's kind of the the end of my take on breath of the wild i just like i Having done both of those things today, I was like, oh boy. Man, this game's cool. Yeah. Man, this game's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I had a game I wanted to talk about, but before I get to that, I wanted to briefly touch on uh, Final Fantasy XII. Oh, please. Um, So, I've talked about it on the show at least a couple times, I think, but Final Fantasy XII is my favorite in the series. And I I think one of the things that really kind of made me love Final Fantasy XII is... Oh god, there's a lot of things, but um, the game has a lot of more emphasis on its setting than its story. Where like you know there is a plot and things do happen in that plot, but it never feels like the plot is the point of Final Fantasy XII. Yeah, um, Final Fantasy XII is about the places you visit and the people you help out. This is kind of reflected in numerous ways. Uh, after every major story event, uh, the dialogue for Nearly every NPC in every town, or at least, like, the uh, main uh, towns get updated to reflect that. The bulk of the side content in the games are hunts, which are, you know, basic MMO style, like, go here, slay this enemy, come back, get your reward. However, uh, Final Fantasy XII just... It puts a lot of uh, flavor text and detail into the quests where they all kind of feel like mini-stories of their own. And so, 
through doing them, you learn a little bit, you know, about the character who hired you. Like, they have their own personal story. But maybe you might learn something about the town that you're visiting that you didn't know previously. Like, um, you learn a little bit more insight on how the main town's sewer system works in one side quest. Or in another one, you learn about the Imperial uh, Knights, like, what their training regiment is like. Just oh, like, yo, you know, I love that. Little things like that. And, you know, it's not, like, anything big, but it's, like, you know, little throwaway lines. But I, I think one of my favorite things about Final Fantasy XII is the uh, bestiary. Um, because in the bestiary, you know, the bestiary is written really uh, well with, like, lots of flavor text about every enemy. And, like, maybe even, like, some tall tales that are surrounding that enemy. Or, you know, uh, Final Fantasy has these slime-like creatures called uh, Flan. And... You know, there, there's flavor text that's like, yes, people use these monsters and make them into delicious desserts. So <laughs> Flan in Final Fantasy is made from the Flan monster. I love that. Yeah, so I, I think uh, what makes the B-Series even better, though, is that when you encounter a new enemy and they are entered into, their beast, into your B-Series, there's a little number next to the monster's name. And for every monster you kill that number goes down by one and so when you kill the number of monsters the bestiary requires you to you actually get another page that might not necessarily be about the monster but usually they're about anything in the world um it can be about the myth of creation for uh the world of final fantasy 12 it can be about the uh materials that blacksmiths use to make such and such a weapon it can be uh there's there's an incredible like variety of things you can find just by filling out the bestiary that continue to flesh out the world even more i love that that reminds me so much of uh in hollow knight you can find an npc that is referred to only as the hunter Mm -hmm. and he gives you the Hunter's Journal, which is a bestiary. And the first time you kill any monster, it'll show up in the bestiary with, like, a quick little description of what it is. But then when you kill enough of any given monster, a second line of the bestiary is filled in from the, that is written by the Hunter. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be, you know, if in the case of... I'm going to make something up, but in the case of, like, one of the basic little flies that, you know, doesn't aggro, it just kind of flies around and it's more of a, ha- a hazard than anything. Right. His note might read something like, not a threat at all, not very satisfying to hunt, but tasty when you're on a long walk through the caverns. <laughs> and I love that. That's I love great. a good bestiary. Because for one thing, especially when they add that layer of like, you got to kill this many to get it back, it does add a little bit of like, I mean, now I kind of want to know. <laughs> <laughs> now I kind of want to have this filled out. Right. But then doing it in such a, like, in-universe, in-flavor kind of way is just so good and so cool. Oh, shit. You know what else does this? What's that? Hades does this. Hades does do it. I was going to bring <laughs> that up, too. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, Hades. I, in Hades, uh, you have uh, your, uh, not sparring partner, your uh, teacher, your weapons teacher, combat teacher, instructor, what's the term? Sensei. Sensei, whatever. Uh, Achilles. Sensei Achilles. A sensei Achilles. <laughs> that feels wrong. That feels very wrong. Um, but he, he hands you a codex, which is 
all of his knowledge uh around uh various things uh particularly the gods and uh characters you might find around the underworld and all the weapons you have and the codex updates the more you talk to a given entry so the more you accept boons from athena for example uh athena's page in the codex will update with more knowledge from achilles uh the more the more runs or the more um battles you fight with a specific weapon achilles will give you more information about that weapon um and so it it, it ties into that same thing of like oh man i you know i'm not really crazy about the the shield weapon for example but i want to know more about it yep <laughs> so i i like the shield weapon by the way i'm just using it as an example yeah. um and any good any game that includes a good like bestiary or like codex of allies and enemies or whatever you want to call it immediately i'm like all right all right <laughs> let's uh, do this before we hop into the next thing you want to talk about dylan what if we slide open that playbill all right sounds good to me let's do it Ooh. everybody here we are in the playbill this is where we talk about other shows we're in other things we think you should check out other things that are worth knowing about hey dylan tell me about your other show uh so chris dude uh do you remember macross because I... that's the name of the show <laughs> uh so yeah i host a show with our mutual friend coop um called dude you remember macross where we talk about this old dating back to the 80s uh sci-fi mecha anime franchise called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, which sounds like a mouthful, so usually people just abbreviate it to Macross. And it's a really fun show, um, kind of kitschy. It's about, uh, you know, the intersection between the military and civilian life and how they intermingle and what is the meaning of humanity and all that stuff. Or that could just be me reading too deep into it. But if you like hearing me read too deep into things <laughs> as you listen to this podcast... You might want to uh, ch- you might want to consider checking out our other podcast, um, which you can find at uh, anchor.fm slash dude you remember. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You should also go check out our the uh, the other show Dylan and I are on together, the Unexplored Places. It's an actual play podcast. You currently running the Scum and Villainy game system to tell a story about dopey space criminals and all and all of the stuff that they're very very good at. And we go on crazy adventures and get into trouble, and it has been a blast to record for a very long time. And the recent episode, like the most recent episode that came out, is maybe my favorite episode of any podcast I've ever been on. Uh, sorry to this show, but <laughs> hey, I mean, that's we fair. can all be winners. We we both um, have fun on the unexplored uh, places, and you yeah. can too. Yeah, just head to unexploredcast.libsyn.com or go to Twitter and go to at unexploredcast and check them out. You can also get them on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts, all those good things. Other good shows to go check out are anything that are on our network, the the uh, HP Video Game Podcast Network. It is a network full of podcasts about video games. And you can find them by going to Twitter and checking out at Network, where they're constantly retweeting all the shows. Thank you again, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping us to 
not lose money making the show and for showing us all that support that you guys do it is incredible and rewarding and we could not be doing this without all of your help and uh yeah it means the world to us all right let's get back into the shit all right dylan what are we what are we talking about 13 sentinels aegis rim holy shit chris i don't even know where to begin with this game which is fine, okay. because I don't think Vanillaware knew where to begin with this game. Okay, uh, how do I explain 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim? 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim is ostensibly two games in one, where it is a RTS where you control, you know, like Pacific Rim, you are controlling these huge bulky mechs fighting off uh, kaiju that have shown up. And this is the, this is Judgment Day. This is like the end of the story. And then there's the other half of the game, which is an adventure game, where you are basically playing as each of the pilots, um, and it's leading up to their involvement in this final fight, I think. It gets a little muddy because time travel is involved, and in ways you wouldn't expect either. (laughs) I, I don't have all the answers, and also the game's only been out for, like, two days, so I don't really want to spoil too much. But uh, the the flow of this game is very interesting, because you can jump between the adventure game portions and the RTS portions at any time. Okay, hang on. Because the, the story's told non-linearly, uh, they frequently jump back and forth between... I don't even know what to call present day, because I'm not sure present day exists. It's, I really can't speak too much on, like, the the plot, the plot, until I have a firmer grasp on the story, because, like I said, like, there's a lot of, it's mystery box storytelling, but, like, the fact that it's all one product gives me confidence that it's going to lead somewhere. Makes sense to me. But anyway, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll set the story to the side, um, to talk about the, the gameplay. So, while you're playing the adventure mode... Um, after every chapter, you get you get like a little um, you get bo- you get points that uh, you can use to buy upgrades for your mech in the uh, real time strategy mode. And uh, when you play the real time strategy mode, uh, after every map, you get points that you can use to purchase. You can use to purchase from a in game glossary that gives you more details and more uh, background information on some of the stuff going on. And so that helps when you go back to the adventure mode and you're trying to piece the whole story together. And so it's the, it's this weird cycle of play the adventure mode to get better at the battles, do the battles to understand more of the story, and look at that glossary to help you with the adventure mode. And it, it just all intersects in a way that's incredibly interesting. Um, I'm about seven hours into the game right now, and I still have... Very little idea on what's actually going on, and that's exciting. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, so you there's 13 uh, Sentinels, as the title implies. So there's 13 playable characters. I think I only have six or seven unlocked right now, and you can jump into their campaigns almost at any time. Um, once you get to a certain like level of progression, the game blocks you off from playing any more of theirs until you meet the right requirements. But, like... Characters will cameo in other characters' stories. So, I guess, like, as an example of, like, how wild this story is getting, um, 
the game starts with you playing as like a typical high school sophomore in uh, 1985 Japan. And he's okay. a big science fiction buff. And, you know, he, he he's met a lot of characters. And, oh, dude, I don't... Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he when uh there's a girl who moved into his grandma's house she's uh paying rent her her grandma's renting out the room to her and she has a huge crush on this guy and he doesn't understand why but the plot twist and this is like this is early game spoilers but like if you if you're interested in picking up uh 13 sentinels you might want to tune out for a little bit just while i explain what's going on he is originally from the future, but then he came back to the past, and he gets his memory wiped, but the girl who's living with him used to know him and, like, had a thing with him, but because he doesn't remember her, like, there's a distance between them, and there's, like, that's just, like, one case of, like, wait, what? <laughs> and, like, the the more you learn, the more lost you are, but also the the more you want to find out more, and it's, it's so engaging. Um, if you, uh... And you, you can cut that out if you want, but like that that might have just been for you, honestly. No, I I think that sounds rad as hell. And that's see also the amnesia as storytelling convention in Breath of the Wild. Like amnesia gets a bad rap, but when it's done well, it can lead to like some really interesting storytelling methods and really cool ways of like allowing for discovery of story. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's um God, this this is a hard game to talk about if like you're the only person who's played it. Yeah. <laughs> um But uh I I've been going through it with uh Jordan and we've been like playing a couple hours every night we get the opportunity to. Yeah, I, I guess there's not a whole lot for me to talk about now that I've descri- described like the, the two gameplay modes. I just I just wanted to kind of give this game a signal boost. Um it's got a really good English dub. Uh, especially, like, considering that everyone in L.A. is, like, stuck in their homes and had to record from, like, their home studios that they may or may not have had to make during the oh. recording process of this game. The main character, uh, the main female character sounds like Erica Lindbeck, but I haven't actually checked the cast listing, so um, <laughs> don't quote me there. But, like, oh my gosh, like, the, the dub is incredible for that game, and I just kind of wanted to talk about that as an actor if you like English dubs, you should check out this game. Even if you can't afford it, like, watch it on YouTube or something. Because um, everyone brought their A-game to this. Yeah, that sounds rad. Uh, Yeah, I don't... I, I know this is kind of a short episode so far, but I really don't have that much more to talk about. I, I would love to gush more about Aegis Rim, but <laughs> I... Also, it's... Not only is it too early for me to talk about more, it's also... I think people kind of need to see what I'm talking about to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have a ton uh, of other examples to throw out, so this might be a little bit of a shorter episode, which, you know, sorry about that. But sometimes we, we there's something that like we are excited to talk about that just doesn't have quite as many games ready for us as we think it will, and that's okay. Because I still had fun talking about this. I I just think that, like, games being interactive and games giving players the ability to have an active hand in the unfolding of the story, it makes sense and it's very cool to see 
story treated as a reward in the same way that like a health upgrade or new weapon would be. Oh, Chris, I actually did have one more thing to talk oh, about please, with 13 Sentinels that I completely forgot. No, so, go for it. A lot of the characters, like, the the stories have branching paths. Um, For a lot of the characters, the paths aren't that complex that I, at least the ones I've played so far. Some of them are very straightforward. He's not really the lead, but I kind of consider him that because he's the first character you uh, play he uh when you're uh when you're when you're doing his story once the game kind of lets you play the game in any order you want with like once the structure of the game opens up um you you basically play through this guy's day at school and there are like six or seven branches based off of choices you can make that change what you learn about this character like you uh you can go out uh there's a friend who wants uh you to hit up another friend of yours so you can go over to his house and play video games you can find a key item that gives you an excuse to get out of that commitment and then you can go out into the school hallway alone instead of with this guy and you can talk to other um other characters and there's the girl that you're living with and talking to her will give you background information on how you first meet her from your perspective. Or you can talk to another girl who's been having dreams of the future. <laughs> um, and they're the same dreams that you've been having. And so you can talk about those shared dreams. And, you know, every time you replay, you're you're learning something more. And, like, the order that you're learning these events completely changed the way that you engage with the story. Because I, I was talking with my friend Connor, who went through that same that same story in a different sequence of events and just how the information, the order, the information was revealed to us, like dynamically changed. It, it's in a way, it's kind of like the outer wilds um, where okay. it's a story that you can only really experience once or, you know, that's not true, but you know, there's an order, like it's very free form about the order in which you can learn information. And that. That's something that, like, can't be replicated, because once you know the whole story, you know the whole story. Yeah, no, I I think that's really cool. I I love, I mean, as should be obvious from what we were saying earlier about Breath of the Wild, I love games that, or stories that aren't afraid to be told out of sequence. Because mm -hmm. I think the act, like, I think it makes you pay more attention mm -hmm. to the story. I think it makes you think more and be more active in the story as it's being told because you have to be playing the game of like when in the timeline that I know about does this scene take place mm -hmm. and that's cool as hell alright I might have to try out 13 Sentinels that looks really cool Yeah. Um. unfortunately as of right now it's PS4 exclusive well so, yeah. then I won't you, be trying it out anytime soon I, I still recommend like if you can look up a playthrough or something Um. I would at least check out like a little bit of it because yeah that, yeah uh, definitely you know, it, it is first and foremost a visual novel, so um, the barrier to entry isn't that high. Or, you know, yeah. it, it's not like a game where, you know, watching a playthrough of Breath of, uh, Breath of the Wild and playing Breath of the Wild are two very different experiences. 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, although you can kind of control the order of the story, and that's like one thing that you'd be missing, I still think, you know, you have so much else to gain for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. 
I will have to give that a look. That sounds really interesting. And uh, anything else from you, Dylan? Before I, I... I think that's it. Um, I just All wanted right. to get that out. Yeah, then I'm going to segue smoothly without drawing attention to it into <laughs> saying thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Backstage Gaming. Uh, tell us on social media, which Dylan will tell you about momentarily, about any games you can think of that have a similar sense of, like, you know, interactivity to the way that they tell their story and offering story as sort of a reward for play because I think it's really cool and I would love to know more games that do it so that I can try more games that do it. Uh, also, as always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our show or reach us, you can always go to our website, bsgpod.com. There's a contact form. There's info about me and Dylan. There's all kinds of stuff. And wherever you're getting our show, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Store, Stitcher, any of those good podcatchers, remember to leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends and family about us, tell anyone who you think would enjoy our weird take on media. <laughs> also, I just thought of this just now. I know we're on the credits, so I won't make a big thing of it. But um, I did go on Nintendo Main to talk about uh, Moon, which is an RPG for the Super or for the PlayStation oh, yeah. that got ported to Switch, um, which is also an RPG where you are playing for story's sake. Um, it's a very good episode of their show. You should go listen to that. Yeah, that, that's a little side plug. Um, you can find. The head of Nintendo Main, I'm assuming he's the head because his URL is, or his Twitter handle is at Nintendo underscore domain. Um, Trey Johnson, he is the host of Nintendo Main, um, and he was kind enough to invite me onto the show after we talked a little bit about Moon RPG. Um, so if you want to find that, you can find him on at, on, at Twitter, his handle being at Nintendo, N-I-N-T-E-N underscore domain. Sorry about that. Not no, used to no giving apologies. that plug. Anywho, um, yes. So also, if you want to find us on uh, social media, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast, and you can find us on YouTube. Um, and if you want to engage with us about any of these games or any games that you think reward the player with story in a way that's really neat, uh, you should use that hashtag BSG pod. Also, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you dig his stuff, you can find him on his Squarespace at Brennan hyphen. Yes, Brennan hyphen, not underscore. <laughs> Brennan hyphen French dot Squarespace dot com. That is B R E N N E N hyphen French dot Squarespace dot com. You can also find him on Instagram dot com slash Brennan French Arts and on Twitter at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. And you can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thanks again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like shows about video games and looking at video games from a bunch of different angles, you should go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you, as always, to our patrons, over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It is thanks to you that we're able to do this and not lose money doing it, and we love and respect and appreciate each and every one of you who is helping us do that. And if you like the show and want to help us do it more and do it better, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way to do that. So thank you once again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.